Chapter Seven of Frigid Fracas by Mac Reynolds. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dale Grothman. Fred Solzhen wasn't at home when Joe Mauser called. The category military officer was met instead by young Sam Solzhen, clothed this day in the robes of a novitiate of the temple. Joe remembered now that Freddy had mentioned the boy was in training in category religion. Sam led him back to the living room, switched off the telescreen which had been tuned in to one of the fictionalized fracases of the past. Poor entertainment when compared to the real thing for any fracas buff, but better than nothing. In fact, it was contended by some that if you got yourself properly tranked, you could get almost as much emotion from a phony fracas as they were called as for the genuine gee sir sam said papa was supposed to be back by now i don't know where he is if you want to wait joe shrugged and picked himself a chair he took in sam's robes and made conversation study tough in the temple schools he asked the teenager realized that this was a make-talk question. He said, Ah, not much. A lot of curd about rituals and all. You have to memorize it. Curd yet, Joe laughed. You don't sound particularly pious, Sam. Come to think of it, I suppose any child of Freddy's could hardly be. Sam said, his young voice urgent, Papa said you were on your way up, Major Mauser, just like us. Gee, how come you chose category military instead of religion? Joe Mauser looked at the other. It was his policy to treat young people either as children or adults. If he was to deal with a teenager as an adult, he didn't believe in pulling punches any more than had he been dealing with a person of sixty. He said flatly, I've never had much regard for those categories in which a man makes his living battening on human sorrow and fear, Sam. That includes, in my book, such fields as religion, undertakers, and their affiliates, and even most doctors, for that matter. He added, to explain the last inclusion, they profit too much from illness for my satisfaction. Major Mauser was enough of a current celebrity for practically anything he said to be impressive to young Sam Solijan. That youngster blinked. He said, Well, gee, don't you believe in any gods at all? If you believe in any god at all, you gotta have a religious category, and that means priests. Why? Joe said. Inwardly, he was amused at himself for getting into a debate with this youngster, and even a trifle ashamed of needling the boy about his chosen field. But he said, If there are gods, I doubt if they'd entrust a priesthood to threaten their created humanity with hellfire. Sam was taken aback. Well, why not? Gods couldn't be bothered with such trivialities. In fact, I think it unlikely that they could be bothered with priests. If I was a god, certainly I couldn't. The boy's face was intent, its youthfulness somewhat ludicrous, in view of the dark robes he wore. He leaned forward. Yeah, you talk about priests and undertakers and all that battening on human sorrow, but how about you? How about the category military? How many men have you killed, Major? Joe winced. Too many, he said abruptly. The tick was at the side of his mouth, unbeknownst to him. He added, But mercenaries have deliberately chosen their path. 
They know what they're going into, and they do it willingly. They haven't been drafted. He thought a moment, and Phil Holland's talk about the Roman Ludi came back to him. He said, It's like the difference between throwing a bunch of Christians to some wild bulls in a Roman arena to being a Toreador in Spain. A matador who has chosen his profession and enters the bullring to make money. Then the boy said something that gave him greater depth than Joe had expected. Hey, he said, but maybe the Toreador was forced into becoming a bullfighter on account of how bad he needed the money. In the heat of the discussion, he was emboldened to add, and these new rank privates that go into a fracas not knowing what it's all about, just filled with all the stuff we see on telly and all, how much of a chance does one of them have if he runs into an old-timer like Joe Mauser out there in no man's land? Touché, Joe thought. There was the action that sometimes came back to him in his dreams. He had been a sergeant then, but already a veteran of five years or more standing, and a double score of fracases. The force of which he was a member had been in full retreat and Joe's squad was part of the rear guard. The terrain had been mountainous, the High Sierra Military Reservation. Four of his men had copped one, two so badly that they had to be left behind, incapable of being moved. Joe, under the pressure of long hours of retreat under fire, had finally sent the others on back, and found himself in a crevice near the top of the Sierra, which was all but impregnable. His rifle had been a forty-five seventy Springfield, with its ultra-heavy slug, but slow muzzle velocity, and Joe had a telescope mounted on it, an innovation that barely made the requirement of predating the year 1900, and thus subscribing to the Universal Disarmament Pact between the Sov world and the West world. It had taken the enemy forces a long time to even locate him, a long time and half a dozen casualties that Joe had coolly inflicted. The way to get him, the only way, involved exposure. Joe could see the enemy officers through his scope, at a distance just out of his range. They knew the situation, being old pros. He found considerable satisfaction in the rage that he knew they were feeling. He was dominating a considerable section of the front due to the terrain, and there was but one way to root him out direct frontal attack they had sent in rank privates low lowers most of them in their first fracas low lowers the dregs of society seldom employed and then at the rapidly disappearing all but extinct unskilled labor low lowers most of them probably in this fracas in the hopes of the unlikelihood of so distinguishing themselves that they could be jumped a cast or at least acquire an extra share or two of common stock to better the basic living guaranteed by the state. Rank privates, most of them in their first fracas, unknowledgeable about taking cover, and not even in the physical condition this sort of combat demanded. They came in time and again, surprisingly courageous, Joe had to admit, and time and again he decimated them. One by one, coolly, seldom wasting a shot not that he had to watch his ammunition he had the squad's full supply he estimated that before it was through he had inflicted approximately thirty casualties hits in the head in the torso the arms legs 
he had inflicted enough casualties to fill a field hospital and it had ended finally when a senior officer below had arrived on the scene took in the irritating situation and sent a dozen noncoms and junior officers experienced men to dig joe out joe had remained only long enough for a few final shots none of them effective at long range and had then hauled out and followed after his squad he might possibly have got two or three more of his opponents but only at his own risk besides already the irritation and hate that he had built up while on the run and while his squad mates had copped wounds had left him and there was nausea in his belly at the slaughter he had perpetrated or that time on the louisiana reservation in the fracas between allied petroleum and united oil joe had been a lieutenant then and but he rejected this trend of thought and brought his attention back to sam Sullivan. perhaps you're right he admitted some low lower jerk impressed by what he considers high pay and adventure doesn't stand much chance against an old pro the gawky teenager broke into a toothy smile gee i wasn't arguing with you major i don't know anything about it how about telling me about one of your fracases eh you know sometime you really got in the drill joe snorted he seldom met someone not of category military who didn't want a special detailed description of some gory action in which joe had participated and like all veterans of combat there was nothing he liked less to do combat was something which when done you wished to leave behind you were brainwashing really predictable it was this that you would wish to wash away but joe like others before him down through the ages had found a way out he had a store of a dozen or so humorous episodes with which he could regale listeners that time his horse's cinch had loosened when he was on a scouting mission and he had galloped around and around amidst a large company of enemy skirmishers most of them running after him and trying to drag him from the horse's back while he hung on for dear life but it occurred to him that the boy might better appreciate a tale that involved his father the telly reporter and some act of daring the small man had performed the better to serve his fracas buff audience he was well launched into the tale boosting freddy soligen's part beyond reality but not impossibly so when the worthy entered the room breaking it off while freddy was shaking hands with his visitor sam said hey papa you never told me about the time you were surrounded by all the field artillery and only you and major mauser and three other men got out fred grinned fondly at the boy and then looked his reproach at joe what are you trying to do make a life of a telly reporter sound romantic to the kid stick to the priesthood son there's more chicken dinners involved he saw joe was impatient to talk to him how about leaving us alone for a while sam we've got some business sure papa i've got to memorize some greek chants anyway how come they don't have all these rituals and all in some language everybody can understand then everybody might understand them freddy said sourly then what had happened his son said major maybe you can finish that story some other time eh joe said sure 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 it winds up with your father the hero 
and they bump him up to upper upper and make him head of category communications on the trank again freddy grumbled but joe sensed he wasn't particularly amused when the boy was gone joe mauser told the telly reporter of his interview with stonewall cogswell freddy shook his head he wants you to fly that sailplane thing of yours again huh no that won't do it we need some gimmick joe something joe said impatiently you keep saying that but look i'm a mercenary a fighting man can't drop out of participation in the fracases if he expects the buffs to continue interest in him the little man tried to explain i'm not saying you're going to drop out of the fracases but we need something where we can make you shine something where you can be on every lens for a mile around joe's face was still impatient freddy said sourly listen you tried to handle this all by yourself last time you dreamed up that fancy glider gimmick and sold it to old baron hare but did you do yourself any good with the buffs like zen you did all you did was louse up a perfectly promising fracas so far as they were concerned hardly a drop of blood was shed stonewall cogswell just resigned when he saw what he was up against oh sure you won the battle of vacuum tube transport practically all by yourself but that's not what the buff wants he wants blood he wants action spectacular action and you can't give it to him way up there in the air hey joe looked at him scowling questioningly freddy said slowly why not joe mauser growled what did you mean why not freddy said slowly why can't you have some blood and guts combat right up there in that glider have you gone drivel happy but the little man was on his feet pacing the floor quickly irritably and still happily a dogfight a natural listen you ever heard about dogfights major you mean pet dogs like in wales in the old days no no in the first world war oh those early fighters baron von richthofen the german albert ball the englishman rene funk the frenchman and all the rest werner voss and ernst udet and rickenbacker and luke short joe nodded at last i remember now they'd have a vickers or a spandau mounted so as to fire between the propeller blades as i recall the german richthofen had some eighty victories to his credit okay they called them dogfights one aircraft against another you're going to reintroduce the whole thing joe was staring at him once again the telly reporter sounded completely around the bend freddy was impatiently patient we'll mount a gun on your sailplane and you'll attack those two gliders cogswell says general mccord has joe said the sov world observers would never stand still for it in fact there's a good chance that using gliders at all will be forbidden when the international disarmament commission convenes next month if the sov world delegates vote against using gliders as reconnaissance craft the newt world will vote with them those newt world delegates vote against everything joe grunted it's true enough gliders were flown before the year nineteen hundred but not the kind of advanced sailplanes you have to utilize 
for them to be practical certainly there were no gliders in use capable of carrying a machine gun freddy demanded look what was the smallest machine gun in use in 1900 joe considered probably the little french chut-chut gun it was portable by one man the rounds were carried in a flat circular pan i think it goes back that far they used them in the first world war right okay you had gliders you had eight portable machine guns all we're doing is combining them it'll be spectacular you'll be the most famous mercenary in category military and it'll be impossible for the department not to bounce you to colonel and low upper especially with me every telly reporter and fracas buff magazine we bribed yelling for it joe's mouth manifested its tick but he was shaking his head it wouldn't go anyway suppose i caught one or both of those other gliders busy at their reconnaissance and shot their tails off so what the fans still wouldn't have their blood and gore we'd be so high they couldn't see the action all they would be able to see would be the other glider falling freddy stopped dramatically and pointed a finger at him in triumph that's where you're wrong i'll be in the back seat of your sailplane with a portable camera get it and every reporter on the ground will have the word and his most powerful telescopic lens at the ready man it'll be the most televised bit of fracas of this half of the century the end of chapter seven of frigid fracas by mac reynolds read by dale grothman